0: Earth is free. Even your salvation had a price. It cost Jesus' life for you to be able to be here in this moment and have Jesus in your heart. It went to the point that even your salvation had a price. In other words, anything that you want in life has a cost. Any, anything that you want, everyone desires to be successful, correct? Everyone wants a successful marriage, a successful life, a successful business, successful finances. Everyone wants success in life, but not everyone wants to commit to be able to reach to that success. You see, if you want success in any area of your life, it requires one thing, and that thing is called commitment. If you remove commitment from anything that you put yourself to do, whether it be in your relationship with God, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be in your relationship with your children, it's going to require commitment. If you do not want to be successful, do not commit. Can I hear an amen? You see, no one just has it successful. You know, how many of you guys are married? Amen is your marriage just successful because it is because you you put a ring on it No, it requires commitment. How many of you guys have businesses? How many business people do I have here? Amen if you want a successful business Do you just have money flourishing into that bank account all of a sudden those clients just come coming in? No, it requires commitment if you got a PhD MD MBB ABC, whatever you got Does that mean that it just came to you? No, what does that mean? You had to commit to it in order for you to receive that diploma. In other other words, you need to commit. If you want a successful relationship with God, if you want to live in the fullness of God, it is time for you to... Say it one more time. Amen. Amen. You see, commitment ain't easy. In any of these things that I mentioned, It's not something that's just going to come to you. It's not just you sitting down with your cup of coffee and just waiting for the blessing to come. It requires prayer. It requires fasting. It requires commitment. It requires tears. It requires joy. It requires frustration. It requires dedication. It requires sacrifice. Amen? Now, what is commitment? We hear this word. We're familiar with it, but what is it? Commitment is a pact it's giving yourself in dedication sacrifice love and consecration in other words it's to give yourself in submission I must say that again it is to give yourself in submission now what can we commit to we can commit to a vision to a person to a cause to a purpose can I get an amen amen Amen. Now let's go to the word of God, John chapter 6, verse 54 through 66. And I want you to bear with me if you guys can just keep it up because I'm going to be preaching with this for a minute. We got it up? Awesome. So it says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. In verse 54 it says, he who eats of my flesh and drinks my blood, right? It says that in the word of God. Now, has anyone ever eaten Jesus' flesh? No. Not now and not thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, did anyone literally drink from his blood? No, right? What does this mean? What does Jesus mean by eat of my flesh and drink of of my blood? What this means is that these words are words of covenant. Jesus isn't asking you to bite a piece off of his arm. He's not asking you to cut him and suck on his arm to drink his blood. He's asking for covenant. In other words, he's asking for commitment. Can I get an amen? Now, if we keep going in verse 60, It says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can understand it? Verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Oof. What happened here? Jesus was surrounded with his disciples. You see, Jesus had at one point more than 12 disciples. I don't know if you knew that. And in this verse, he was with all of them. And in the moment he asked for commitment, what happened? In an instant, they started to complain. In the moment Jesus asked them for commitment, they began to complain. In another version of the Bible, which one? uh, Yes, in this version, it says they murmured at it. In other words, what happened? They began to gossip amongst one another and complain. There are two signs when a person lacks commitment. Number one is they complain a lot. In the moment someone asks for commitment, they begin to complain. And number two, they get offended when you ask for commitment. It says it there in the word of God. When Jesus knew himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Now let's keep going in the word. In verse 62, it says, what then if you should see the son of man ascend to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said unto you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. What happened here? In the moment that Jesus asked for commitment, he lost 60 disciples in an instant why because they did not want to commit they started gossiping they started criticizing they got offended in their heart and they decided to walk away from jesus and what does it say in verse 66 from that time many of his disciples went where did they go say that again if you can leave the verse up for me please thank you um they went back You see, there's a danger when you lack commitment. There is a danger when you lack commitment. You see, when you lack commitment, you don't only get stuck. But the word of God says it. You start going back to where you came from. In other words, however your condition was before Jesus whatever the condition of your life was before serving Christ wherever hole it was that you were in before serving God if you lack commitment with your relationship with Jesus that is exactly where you are going to go you're going to go back to that depression you're going to go back to that pornography I don't know if you guys are hearing me this morning you guys are a little asleep I don't know if you had coffee but you go back to where you came from you go back to the clubs you go back to adultery you go back to fornication in the moment you lack commitment with Jesus you start going back to where you came from if we go back to the word in verse 67 it says then Jesus said to the 12 do you also want to go away you see in a relationship when only one person is committed that relationship ain't going to work out You've been in a relationship where you're giving and giving and giving and giving. And it gets to a point where you're like, hey, I'm the only one giving. I'm the only one that's investing into this relationship. And what do you do? Hey, we got to talk. Yeah, you've all heard that before. And then all of a sudden you start thinking of all the bad things you've done. Right? And you're like, hey, we got to talk. Listen, I feel like. This, 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 and this, and I'm giving, and I'm doing this, and I'm the one always texting you first, and I'm the one always, always saying I love you first, and you don't always say it back, you know, and I'm the one that's always there supporting you, and you start giving all these reasons, right? And you get to the point at the end of it, exposing it all. So what's going to happen? Is this going to work out or not? That's what Jesus did here. He said, so do you also want to leave? Because this ain't working out like this. You guys understanding what I'm saying? You see, your relationship with God is not a halfway relationship. It's a relationship where Jesus wants you all or nothing. So Jesus, what is he doing this morning? He's asking you, do you want to go away? You see, consecration and submission, commitment is not about giving part of yourself to God. It's not about having a Sunday's only relationship with God. It's about giving yourself to him 20 not 25%, not 50%, not 80%, but giving yourself completely to God to God. You cannot serve the world and serve God at the same time. I don't care who told you that. I don't care what social media person told you that. It is impossible for you to serve pornography and God at the same time. It is impossible for you to serve the world and God at the same time. It is impossible for you to serve drugs and God at the same time It is impossible for you to be at the club and then come on Sunday and serve God at the same time It is impossible for you to continue living the same lifestyle and serve God at the same time Man, we live in times where this generation lacks commitment. That's why they're so attracted in going to all these dead churches. Why? Because they do not ask and require commitment. People prefer to go to church online watching 50-second social media videos because it doesn't ask them for anything in return. We're so attracted to seeker-friendly churches. To dead churches because people refuse to commit to Jesus. People want to remain in their sin. They want to remain in their garbage. But little do they know that they're going back to where they started. If you want to live in the fullness of God. If you want to live in the fullness of your relationship with your creator. It is time for you to commit. It's time for the church to wake up and stop being lazy. It's time to serve God. Elbow your neighbor say, it's time. I've grown up in church. For those of you that I'm wondering, I know I look like I'm 21. I'm 28. (laughs) I'm 28, and I've grown up in church. I grew up in church, and, man, I've, I've seen a lot. And I've seen people that come with their suit. Pastor, I've been a servant of the Lord for 20 years. And they come out here, This makes it better. (laughs) Y'all met these people, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that have been in church in years. (laughs) Yes, the fire of the Lord. Yeah, y'all know it's true. And what happened, they're in church. They've been a servant of the Lord for 20 years but everything in their life has remained the same. Their children are still in the world. They're still addicted to pornography. They're still depressed. They're still depending on those sleeping pills to be able to go to sleep. They've been a servant of the Lord but for the last 20 years their life has remained the same. In the last 20 years they've never committed to Jesus. In the last 20 years they've been in a ministry but they've never served in any department. These people that have been in church for so many years but like to remain bench warmers in their seat. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to make a chair warm. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to be a bench warmer. He died on the cross because there is a mission, an assignment To the next they like to use the name of Jesus in vain they like to that I I heard this I don't remember I think it was in Miami but that people like to say the Lord said we've become so familiarized with those words the Lord said no your flesh is the one that told you your rebellion is the one that told you to leave because the moment that they asked for commitment you decided to run away Why does this happen? Why do people remain in that state? Because they have been touched, but they have not been changed by the presence of God. Jesus didn't die for you to be touched. He died for you to be changed and transformed through his resurrection. He called you to be filled with his anointing, to be filled with supernatural power. Now, what are some of the consequences for not committing to God? There are quite a few, but I'm going to give you the top six. Number one, I said it earlier, you will return from where you came from. You will return to your old habits. You see, how many of you have heard the term backsliders, right? We hear that term very often. Oh, that person, that's a backslider. Thank you, baby. That person's a backslider, they left church. And now, can you, can you believe it? They're in the club. Yeah, I saw the Instagram post. Yeah. Oh my God, did you see? I saw on Facebook that they were out and I saw him with another woman. I think he's cheating on his wife. Little do we know that the church is filled with bench warmers. I mean, I'm sorry, with backsliders. The church is filled with backsliders. Because what does that mean? When you're serving God, when you're committed to God, you're moving forward. There's constant movement. Backsliders aren't just people that left. It's people that are filled in the churches just warming up a seat because why they choose to not commit and little do they know that they're slowly going back. You see, at least the backsliders chose to be cold but when you're there playing with God back and forth that you don't know where you're going, where you're one foot in, one foot out, you're not staying in the same place. Little do you know that you're slowly going back. You're here in church on a Sunday service but little do you know that you're a backslider as well. Number two, your love grows cold. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says, And because lawlessness will abound, rebellion will abound, your own plans will abound, the love of many will grow cold. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 16, I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You see, you can't have this mindset. In Spanish, he said, Nifu, Nifa. Nifu, Nifa. What does that mean? Nor here, nor there. You can't have that mindset of, I'm nor here, Nor there. Why? Because when you're in that state, man, you can't even pray for a headache to go away. You're afraid of demons. You depend on your leaders to do things for you. Oh, pastor, you're asking for too much. That coming on a Tuesday, that's not Jesus. Pastor, you don't understand. It's because I got too much to do. No, but when you are hot for God, when you are hot what state are you in you are filled with the Holy Spirit you cast out demons you serve God you have the attitude of pastor What do I got to do next? What do I need to do? What what can I help with why because when you are a hot when you are on fire for God God's business becomes your business a Relationship with God without service will eventually grow cold I'm gonna say that again a relationship with God without service will eventually grow cold. Number three, limits the growth of the church. What good is it to have a church that is filled with people but if they lack commitment, the church will never grow? Like I said earlier, if you want to limit your growth, do not commit. Number four, you become in maintenance mode. Say with me, maintenance mode one more time what does maintenance mean i'm going to start running what does maintenance mean it's the process of maintaining or preserving someone or something you have how many of you guys have ever seen those preservation areas you know things that they preserve what does that mean it means that they don't allow it to change They don't allow anyone to touch it or mess with it. They want it to remain the same. The moment that you stop serving, you enter into this maintenance mode. And what does that mean? You're in a preservation, you can't change. God cannot transform your situation. God cannot transform your circumstance because everything remains the same. You're like, yes, that's my purpose. I'm getting to it. I'm going, yeah, I'm running, yes. I'm serving God. My leader just texted me to be there. I'm gonna be there extra early, but you arrive late. Yes, and little do you know that you think that you're headed into the purpose and will of God for your life, but you are actually going back. Number five, you produce a strange fire. What does that mean? That you trust more in your gift than in God. Through your service, your gifts, if your gifts are in your heart, your motives will be revealed. When you're serving, are you doing it because you love God? Or are you doing it because you trust in your gifts and you want to exalt the gifts that God gave you? If you do not commit, you will produce a strange fire. And number six, and I'm going I'm to begin closing. This one touched me. This produces such a fear of God in my heart. It will cost your place in the kingdom of heaven. It will cost your place in the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 29, it says, For to whoever who has, so, sorry, for to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. In other words, a lot of times people say, this is what I have. It's not a lot, but this is all I got. And in the moment someone asks for it, I don't know if I want to get rid of it because this is all I have. But then there are those that have the heart. This is all I have. But Jesus, I give it to you. And the word says, for everyone who has, more will be given unto you. And he will have abundance. When you have that mindset of this is all I have and you're afraid to lose it, eventually God will take that and he will give it to someone else. You see, there is a bridge between what you know and what you do and that bridge is called commitment man y'all are real quiet this morning i know that this is a hard message it said it said it in the bible it said it in the word of god Jesus' disciples agreed with us it's a hard message I can sit up here and tell you what are the 10 steps of how to have a successful marriage. Or I can tell you what are the 5 steps on how to lose weight in 7 days. But what good is it if you have the information but you don't make the decision to commit to it? What good is it for you to know it all? What good is it to know the entire Bible back and forth but when you don't commit to the word of God it's not going to produce anything in your life. What good is it for you to be sitting in the front row but in the moment they ask you to serve you say no what good is it your life remains the same and nothing is changing now why is it that this happens in Luke chapter 14 verse 15 through 27 it says now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all the things are now ready. In other words, Jesus was preparing a dinner. And uh, verse 18, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and seek it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of, uh, of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. What do these two verses represent? You see, it's that I just opened up my business You see, it's because my job, you see, it's because my boss is texting me. Verse 20, still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. What does that represent? Marriage, family. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, the master of Jesus. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my Supper verse 25 I know I'm running now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children brothers and sisters yes and his own life also he cannot be my disciple and whoever does not bear his cross and come to me cannot be my disciple oh man in verse 26, it says, if anyone comes to me and does, does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, does that mean Jesus wants you to hate your family? No. Right here, what does that represent? Priority. Priority. Where does Jesus fall on your list of priorities? You see, Jesus is a God of love. But Jesus doesn't play. It says in verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross cannot be my disciple. There is no excuse that you can bring unto Jesus that will be valid enough for you to not put him first in your life. Jesus commanded us all to be disciples. We are all called to be disciples. None of us are disqualified or excused from that command from that assignment but if you don't place him first in your life if you don't make the decision to commit to him you cannot be his disciple but there is a remnant who is a remnant is someone that is chosen In Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, it says, So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. You see, there's a lot of confusion with this Bible verse, and I'm closing this, this is the end. Many people assume that the when it where it says many are called, but few are chosen, they confuse the chosen with salvation. They think that they are a part of the chosen because they've accepted Jesus in their heart. You see, the chosen is not about salvation. It's about purpose. It's about telling God, here I am. You see, he gives us the opportunity. He gives us all the opportunity. It says it in the word, many are called Everyone is called. And he gives you the opportunity. But only few make the decision to obey. What distinguishes the remnant, because even within the few chosen, within the chosen there is only a few. And what distinguishes the remnant from the many is your obedience to God. If you can start playing that song, please. It's your obedience to God. So I ask you today, who wants to be a time, a part, I'm sorry, of that end time remnant? That remnant that says, God, here I am. I hope that this word brought conviction to your heart. And that it is time that you recognize that it is time to serve God. You see, we live in times where Jesus is coming soon. And I would hate for you to be asleep when that time comes. You see, the remnant is always alert. If you can please stand to your feet. The remnant is always awake, it's always alert, it is prepared it says in the word of God that when Jesus returns he's gonna come like the thief in the night and a thief doesn't come in making a loud noise and a ruckus he comes in silently he comes in quietly and if you are not committed to God if you are not committed to him you're gonna be asleep and you're gonna miss his return but the remnant is always alert The remnant is always alert. The remnant's heart says, God, here I am. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter where you've been. Today is your opportunity to make that decision this morning to tell God, here I am. To tell him I make the decision this morning to commit to you. You cannot depend on your salvation with your parents' prayers. You cannot depend on your parents' relationship with God. You cannot depend on your spouse's relationship with God. This is between you and God. This is between you and God. It is time for you to make the decision to come.